I'm sure you can see Ajahn Sundar is not here. It's a tradition of uh, in the retreat center when you have long retreats, the teacher ha invites the supporting Sangha to give a talk sometimes. So this is one of those moments. Let's see what happens. <laughs> so I'm grateful that she gave me the opportunity. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> Try and speak up. Yeah, get closer. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I'm sure you heard what I said earlier. It's it's one of the traditions of the in long retreats. The the teacher asks the supporting sangha to give a reflection sometimes. So that's why I'm sitting here. <laughs> so. I thought of talking about the the first noble truth which we chanted this evening is the the noble truth of dukkha which is translated as suffering or unsatisfactoriness or stress I don't think you can justify it by any of those words it's just we we're always lacking something whatever we have is not enough but uh, in buddhist teachings in the first uh, sutta he started by dhammachakapatana sutta he in there he explain what dukkha is and that's that's part of it we chanted this evening which is uh, birth is dukkha aging is dukkha sickness is dukkha death is dukkha i mean we all know that anyone who has a body if you're born to this world <coughs> we go through all that we fall ill it's common to all beings living beings beings that we know, living beings, human beings, animals, we it's common to all of us. And then there's we went further by saying sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair. We all experience those things. I mean from the day we are born as a baby, somebody has to feed us. Somebody has to clean us. Fortunately our parents do that for us, so here we are. Thanks to them. So we are, the beings are always dependent on this. Somebody has to do this for us. And then once we grow up, that's as a baby, then once we grow up we have to study. I mean, we go through all kinds of suffering through all the studies we do. Then we get a job, we have to put food in on the table. So that's that's common to all of us. It's nothing unique about it. Any human, any being has to go through all that. Then you fall, then sickness is common to all of us. These bodies are so fragile in a sense. <laughs> I mean, we can fall sick and die. 
so that 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 dukkha is the one he was talking about it's it's common to all of us but then he said this there's then he went on to say separation from the like this dukkha association from the dislike this dukkha and not getting one's wishes is dukkha we all has experienced that we all have experienced that it's 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 common to all of us that's the common denominator for human beings what he said there's it's a it's there are two darts there's the first dart is this this dukkha is inevitable once you're born everybody has to go through but there's a second dart which is what we make out of it that we have some control i mean we we can't tell the body not to fall ill it doesn't have it doesn't take our permission it just falls ill it dies and all that happens without our intervention i mean <laughs> we just have to accept it but what we make out of it that's the second dart which we have some uh say on it that is what the mind makes out of it the the dukkha the suffering which buddha was talking about which is all those situations birth aging sickness death sorrow lamentation all that is we all go through but on top of it we can make something out of it in our mind making it yours making it ours it's my dukkha it's only me i'm a victim of this that can be avoided that's that is the the way buddha has taught to understand this dukkha that's what he was explaining in the first noble truth in dhamma chakapatham sutta we there is dukkha he explained all these aspects of dukkha but then he said uh, not in the dhammachakpatha sutta the two darts is something another sutta but what he explained was how we must understand this dukkha and that understanding has to happen within us each one of us to understand this dukkha that's by experiencing it and really knowing it for what it is so that we have some say that is entirely in our hands what we make out of this dukkha so that understanding is what i like about buddhist teachings that is the important thing the mind development it can happen through meditation and uh, learning going through the scriptures and try uh, under hearing buddha's teachings having faith in it and practicing it and and when it works you have more faith because it's it's the dhamma is something alive it's apparent here and now i mean we we, we chant it in 
morning chanting not we didn't haven't done it i don't think in this retreat but uh, it's it says the dhamma is vakata that means it it is explained by buddha in great detail how all these aspects of the mind the body and everything so what we have to do is listen to the dhamma and practice it put it into practice it can be brought into day to day life and by bringing it to day to day life you can really see through the dukkha understand the dukkha so that's that's what this, what he was talking about in the second dart what we make out of this dukkha that beings have to undergo if they are born with a body like this and a mind <laughs> so that understanding is what gives faith because through the understanding by practicing the dhamma we see that it works and that leads to more faith in practicing and incorporating it to day to day life it need not be done on a cushion it can we can contemplate on the dhamma i mean these aspects we can be we can contemplate we can contemplate dukkha yes this is this is what happens when we have a body yes fall ill yes we take care of the body but it still falls ill so just understanding this aspect of this body and then in the in in the when he was chanting when we were chanting the aspects of dukkha all that sokapardeva dukkha domanasa all that you know sorrow lamentation pain grief and despair association with the dislike separation from the like not getting one's wishes then he completed it by saying in brief the five focuses of identity are dukkha these are the five khandas that's what we are in brief said the five we have these five khandas that is form perception form feeling perception mental formations and sense consciousness so the form is we know it's made out of the four great elements and he compared in another sutta he compared this form into to form that is it's like a, it's it's there's nothing it's it's empty the form you can just pop the bubbles and it the form disappears so the the form we carry is just like that it will disappear i mean the body dies and we leave it behind and somebody has to take care of it <laughs> we can't even take it with us so it it just it has its uses it has its life and after that it, it becomes ashes again it's go it goes back to the four elements so that's the form 
And the feeling is compared to the simile he gave for feelings is like water bubbles. When you have a puddle of water, when the rain falls on it, it forms bubbles. And these bubbles just they stay for a few minutes and it's gone. So it's feeling the Vedana aspect of it that could be sensation, bodily sensations, mental sensations. They are, I mean, we are all creatures of feelings. They come and they stay for such a short time and it goes. And we can compare it. I mean, eating food, we, it's just from here to here, the feeling is. After that, the taste is gone. So we have to have another mouthful to get the same taste. So it's such a short thing, this feeling aspect of it, the sensation. But we, we run after them, yeah? We, we really hold on to these feelings. We try to recreate these feelings. That must keep us alive. So that's the feeling aspect of it. This form feeling. The feelings are, I mean, he divided feelings into so many different categories, but uh, usually they have the, you have the pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, neither pleasant nor unpleasant feelings. So our, our world is tied around these feelings. We are constantly seeking these feelings. We are creatures of these feelings. But it's very short-lived. That was he was trying to point out. Then the perception. The perception was compared to a mirage. And you can understand the deer running after a mirage. You chase after this mirage. And once you go there, there's no water. So that's how Buddha compared the perception to a mirage. But we always operate from these perceptions. What we conceive, we perceive. I mean, the feelings. The feel, we give value to the feelings we have. And the value is given by this perception. And out of this perception, we form mental formations. That's the sankara, the next khanda, next aggregate. So the mental formations are formed based on the Vedana, the feeling, the, the perception, and the mental formations are formed. So the mental formations are compared to a plantain tree. I don't know whether you have seen a plantain tree, but it's quite strong, but there's no heartwood in there. <laughs> If you cut a plantain tree, it's hollow, but it stands very straight. So the, the sankharas, the mental formations, have the same, that's the simile Buddha gave for mental formations. But we do believe our thoughts, don't we? I mean, we do think a lot, and the, these thoughts, We get caught in these thoughts. We, the thoughts, they, most of the thoughts we make, most of them don't happen. I mean, they're just thoughts. 
how many times they have ever come true. But we still keep thinking. So that's then the fifth one, the fifth aggregate, which is vijnana, which is translated as consciousness, sense consciousness. Well, it has six aspects, that is the eye consciousness, the ear consciousness, the nose consciousness, the tongue consciousness, the body consciousness, and the muddy mind consciousness. That's compared to a mag magician. It's a... It's a trickster, you know, can conjure up anything, the consciousness. But the, the, the ear consciousness, it's, I mean, I feel it's rather innocent because the eye sees an object. Then the eye consciousness, the discriminative consciousness, recognizes as a subject and the object. The same with the nose, uh, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, but the mind consciousness can make something out of it. Most of the time, the mind, the eye, whatever we see with the eye, we, it brings us memories. It reminds of something from the past and or oh, we tap into that memory. So the, the feeling aspect come to it, the perception comes to it and then the sankara come to it, comes to it and then the vijnana, the consciousness, create the whole story and we run with it sometimes, you know. So the mind consciousness can do a lot of work in a short spell. It's so quick, I mean, the, it, the mind is so quick. And if we can catch it on time, we can stop it. But sometimes it's like, uh, it's compared, you know, I, this, I'm sure this is one of Ajahn Chah's stories. It's like being in the train station. You can stand at the platform and just watch the trains pass by. But if you get in the train, you get carried away in the train. But if you can just pass by, stand on the platform and pass by, uh, watch the, trains pass by, you're okay. So for that for that to happen, the mind has to come to, there must be some form of concentration or the mind has to slow down a lot because most of the time we are in the train and uh, days and hours have passed by, <laughs> suddenly we realize, how did we get here? But it just taught, started with seeing something, maybe seeing a tree or something, I don't know. It brings a whole lot of story. So that's what happens most of the time with the mind. So the mind is a compilation of Vedana, uh, sincere feeling, perception, formations, and consciousness all together. The mind does all the work, and we we run with it then. So through meditation, I mean, uh, that's that's when you when you think of it, that's why the Buddha said the dukkha must be understood. 
So this is the understanding one has to do how this thing works for us. How the thoughts are formed, how we believe in these thoughts and how they take us for a ride. So if we catch it on time, we can see this is just a thought. Don't have to believe this thought. It arises, it does its thing and it passes away. And it might never happen, <laughs> you know, all the things we are thinking of. So that's why there's room for us to overcome this suffering. Room, there's room for improvement. We don't have to believe in all these thoughts. We don't have to follow those thoughts. It's just seeing how it's created. Go into the root of the thought. You can you can sit and contemplate how how did I get here? How come I am here now? How did it all start? So if we can trace back to the beginning, we can see for ourselves, okay, that's how it all happened. But so for me that is the work through meditation, through contemplation and through reflection. It can be done anywhere if you are sitting in a quiet place. It need not be on the cushion all the time. You don't have to sit cross-legged and all that. That can be done anywhere, that this contemplation and reflection. If you can get some time, <laughs> that is. But it's good to have a meditation practice, regular meditation practice, but it's it, this this contemplation and reflection is the one that helps to unravel this mystery. How we get into these situations over and over again. So for me, that's that's uh, that's the kind of work that gives me faith in the teachings. Because when you see this is what's happening, yes, I can apply this teaching and I can unravel this mystery. I can go to the root of this thought. That may have, how did the anger arise? How did the jealousy arise? Because it has, it has a reason. It always has a reason. Because we, we, we are very good at making our things me and mine. We, we kind of, kind of grab these, these, these aggregates. These aggregates on its own can't do any harm, but 
the more we cling to them that's what it's called pancha upadana kanda it's is the aggregates uh, on their own is not the problem it's how we hold it how we cling to it how we cling to the sensations how we cling to the perceptions how we cling to the thoughts that's where we uh we need to understand that clinging we do so the more you understand that the more you are able to be peace with this mind of ours because we know we know what happens we know how the mind works we know how the mind factory works and you don't have to own it it's 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 common to all of us this this process so that that we, we don't have to create any more suffering on top of the the suffering we already have which is with this body the sickness or whatever that has happened we accept it for what it is and not create any more suffering out of it there must be acceptance of what is happening and you know in a way but we don't create any more out of it and that's what buddha's teachings have pointed to me in this life in this very life i mean when you come to think of it it's a true refuge because we do go to buddha dhamma sangha we go to refuge to buddha we go to refuge to dhamma we go to refuge to sangha it's a true refuge it's not going to let us down in a way this this refuge because it's there the teachings are still here today for us to we are born as human beings and the teachings are available so we are in a place where we can practice so that's very fortunate for all of us to be able to expose ourselves to this teachings and understand this human nature i consider it to be very worthwhile and lucky so i mean being a buddhist nun i will promote <laughs> that side of it but it has helped me in this life very much applying the buddhist teachings because the the mind can create so many thoughts and these thoughts has a root sometimes it's born out of anger lust jealousy all these things do come up in this mind i mean we have to admit they're there 
but understanding it, knowing anger for anger, just knowing it, just being aware of anger. It's not trying to get rid of it, not trying to push it away, not trying to get rid of it, but through understanding, it you can abandon it. So that's that is the most important thing, understanding it. Why am I angry? Because I didn't get what I wanted. Or she hurt me. Or she didn't do what I was her to do. So there's a reason for it. So that's why when you go back to it, when you really analyze and investigate it, we can understand it, isn't it? Then we can see how how it came to be in the mind, whatever this is in the mind, the anger, the lust or the jealousy or we get all kinds of things, you know. You're not short of them. So we can uh, investigate it. How did it come to be? It's not fighting with it or punishing yourself for having anger. But just how did it come to be? The more you unravel it and more you investigate and more you understand it, the less and less it we disempower it, basically. It doesn't take hold on us because we understand it and we see it for what it is. It's not overpowering us, these defilements that come to the mind. It's, it's, it's a lot of work, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. One has to persevere. We will trip once, we will trip, we'll trip hundred times, but still, if we try to understand it a little at a time, bit at a time, that's that's good enough, you know. Because we, we the teachings are available, so it can trip us many times. But just learning from it and making the effort to understand it and seeing it for what it is. We don't see things as they are. We see things with colored glasses, you know. It's always somebody else's fault. But uh, I think it's Ajahn Munindar who said this. He said when we point the finger at somebody, <laughs> there's one finger pointing outside and three towards us. That says something, isn't it? <laughs> So it's that investigative work and uh, understanding and trying to see things as they are is what is helpful in our practice. The, the awareness that 
we have on these things is what we need to develop. So the awareness, we can call it uh, mindfulness or awareness or being aware of what's happening, what is coming to the mind. That's what we need to develop in through meditation. And that awareness, sometimes, you know, it, we might catch it after a while, sometimes we might catch it as soon as it arrives, sometimes after it has spilled out. <laughs> but if we, if we know for it for what it is, that is the learning we do in every situation that awareness that what has happened and learn from it. Because the awareness is never colored. It's not colored with the whatever defilement that goes on in the mind. Though we may have greed, hatred and delusion, anger, jealousy, whatever, but the awareness is not colored by that. The awareness just sees it for what it is. So that's a true refuge, that awareness, which we, we try to cultivate through meditation. Whatever meditation practice you have in a the more we develop the mind, the awareness grows. And that that helps to lead to the wisdom. The wisdom must be developed, isn't it? The wisdom is something we develop. Consciousness must be understood. But the wisdom must be developed. The more you understand the teachings and the the dukkha or whatever, the, all these, the more we have understanding of these defilements, of the stresses, the unsatisfactoriness, the lack of, lack feeling, lack. We always feel we lack. We need more. It's never enough. So that, that, we need to understand that that feeling of wanting more. And the more we understand that the awareness and the wisdom will grow. And that's the true refuge. The awareness is the true refuge. Not not whatever comes to the mind, you know, the thoughts or the greed, hatred and rage, they're not a true refuge. We can't take refuge under in that. But we can take refuge in the awareness, knowing what's coming to the mind. A simple, bare knowing. And it is good to have a good uh, foundation for that, that is the the 
foundation of morality and generosity sila samadhi sila and dana that is generosity and morality that's that is a good foundation to develop this kind of wisdom it's like uh, you know when we have a crop when we we have to a farmer has to put a fence around it other to protect it from the wild animals so it's the sealer is like the fence around this the crop we are trying to cultivate so the the virtue the sealer is the foundation for this and that's what you all are doing this 10 days you've given up everything given up all the comforts you have moved out of your comfort zone and come here and stay with one meal so that's commendable isn't it because you you know that there's something better than what's out there so i hope during these 10 days you pick something to help you to go back to your normal world if you call it the normal world whatever but coming here and spending 10 days here doing this is something praiseworthy i feel i mean i feel joy to see you all making the effort leaving behind the all the loved ones and the <laughs> the, the comfort zone <laughs> and going through all this you know queuing up for food and just sitting here day in day out <laughs> i'm sure you go through a lot of pain but sometimes the pain in it's something you know you do feel the pain but sometimes if you leave the pain where it is you don't take it to your mind the pain just go but if you take it into your mind well it's a different story so it's it's little things like that simple things how you can work with these little things that because this is the factory i mean the boy the boy said this body this body is our factory our laboratory we can test it out here so i hope you do the testing and all the laboratory work in the next few days and benefit from it when you go back to your other life <laughs> and thank you for your attention and uh, if it's helpful please take it away if, if it's not please leave it behind <laughs>